And for those of you that are maybe close to somebody going through uh, incredible pain and tragedy, that sometimes that's the best thing you can do. You can't alleviate the pain, but you can be present. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Real Live Podcast, where, if uh, you're wondering, this is where we deal with real issues, real life, real pain, uh, real, just maybe things that uh, you don't get to talk about uh, in a typical church or church setting, but uh, we have to follow Jesus in real life, and so that's what this podcast is all about. I'm your host, Dale Satram, and I'm here with my great co-host, Katie Jones. Hi, guys. She's got to find a mic first. There she is. We have a special VIP guest today. We do. We have a special guest. Yes. So um, as you guys have been listening, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, we have done um, some episodes on a little bit harder topics like, um, you know, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And, you know, pain, as PD has said, is kind of our universal connector. We all can relate to some sort of pain. So we, um, you know, had been thinking and we were like, we want to bring on some people that um, have gone through some really hard things and have had just um, some pretty inspiring faith. So we have Caitlin, um, our friend here today, who is here to share her story. And I am so excited to share her with you guys. So we're going to get into um, just Caitlin's story and um, all the things she has to share with us. So, Caitlin, welcome to the yeah. Real Life Podcast. Thank it is you. great having you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, yeah. Just, you want me to introduce myself? Yes. Or, all just right. a little bit. Yeah, right. a little introduction. Well, I'm Caitlin Stansfield. I'm 24, um, mom of two, almost three, pregnant right now, and been married for coming up on five years. Um, and... Yeah. Congratulations. Yes, Thank congratulations. you. All right. Yes. <laughs> you know, Caitlin, I appreciate you being here, and you're going to tell a little bit your story uh, with us today. And uh, for those listening, we are dealing with this topic, how do we trust God when we go through pain? How do we trust God even in tragedy? And I think that is just, again, pain is the universal experience of human beings. Uh, we're all going to have pain in this life. Uh, sometimes it, it, life's not fair, so sometimes it seems that uh, some people get more than their fair share. Or as we certainly feel that way at times. Mm-hmm. And, but the reality is, as followers of Jesus, we have to figure out how do we follow Jesus in the midst of pain? Because we're going to have pain. The Bible talks about pain. It gives us examples of pain and, and tragedy. And, and yet, uh, God's still in the midst of it all. And, and sometimes it's hard to see God in the midst of tragedy. So this is why I think it's, it's so great to have people's stories and uh, you're not just listening to a pastor talk about it, right? Right. So this is a very real story uh, and a very painful one uh, because you're going to talk about your journey and your faith journey of losing a child. Mm-hmm. So now that we have everyone's attention out there, um, why don't you just begin to walk us through that a little bit and uh, you know, let's back the story up and... Yeah let you talk instead of me. So there we go. All right. Well, um, the beginning of my pregnancy was pretty normal. Um, and this is second child. This was my second child. Yeah. Had Dakota here here with you today. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then this is my pregnancy with Ivy and, um, I, everything was really normal, but I definitely had a gut feeling early on that something was wrong. I convinced myself I had gestational diabetes at like Mm. 12 weeks and just like kind of felt like something was off. 
Um, but that definitely, like, nothing was wrong. Everything was fine. Um, we went for our anatomy scan at 19 weeks. And then even after that, I was still kind of like, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right. But like, I'm probably just being anxious. But then a few days later after the ultrasound, we got a call and um, saying that there were some findings on her ultrasound. They found she had a club foot, Mm. uh, choroid plexus cysts on her brain, which on its own, that's not too big of a deal. But there was also um, her chin was small and she was missing a section of her brain that like helps your sides um, Mm. communicate. During the ultrasound, so you got the call after, but during mm-hmm. the ultrasound, what, when you said you felt like something was wrong, was it because they weren't saying things? No, they were was, acting totally normal. It was oh, just you another just gut had feeling. A gut like, I just kind of felt like, I don't know, like okay. something just doesn't feel right. Okay. And, um, but I just was like, the, the tech didn't act any different. Like, just talking to us like normal, saying, oh, this is that, this is that. So, um, yeah. And then after that call, called Cameron. I was a mess. <laughs> he was like, don't stress. We don't know anything yet. Like it could just be, you know, they didn't see it right or, you know, something like that. So we tried not to stress about it. We scheduled another ultrasound with um, Kaiser's perinatology uh, program and uh, really loved our doctor. We had Dr. Brass. She was amazing. Super we love that she didn't pressure us to like make any decisions and she also didn't make it feel like doomsday she was just kind of like this is what what it is it could be good it could be bad kind of thing so um really appreciated her and yeah we just had tons of appointments after that i had an mri done because they wanted to see her brain a little bit better um and then we ended up deciding to do the amniocentesis because the ultrasound that they followed up with also had all the same findings. Now, for anybody that doesn't know, what is an amniotesis? So that's when they test that? your amniotic fluid. So okay. you use a really big needle and like take a- Go into the belly. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Um, and it is like invasive, you know, and like has its risks, but Cameron and I decided that we'd rather know so we could be prepared for whatever. Um, and the risk is really, really small in comparison. So uh, we went ahead and did it. And then we had to wait forever for test results because they ended up like, messing up some of the um the dishes that they were testing oh, or whatever no. so they had to like culture cells and stuff so it took even longer than normal uh, the <laughs> so game yeah was so there terrible. was just a lot of pra- praying going on mm-hmm. um there were so many people everywhere that were praying for us people i didn't even know mm-hmm. um like my mom's cleaning lady's mom was Aww. praying for us <laughs> like literally people i've never met mm-hmm. so that was just amazing and uh, really reassuring for us during that waiting time um was one of you between you and cameron were one of you a little more anxious than the other was like trying yeah. to calm or was it <laughs> was it pretty uh cameron was really quiet yeah yeah <laughs> so he definitely thinks inside but i was more of the anxious like mm. i just want to know answers and yeah. like what were you googling a bunch of oh, stuff? oh for sure no, which just... i told my doctor i was like i know i'm not supposed to like look at google so i was looking at it with a grain of salt but like you know all these things that oh, weren't looking good yeah. was like sad and scary to see but mm-hmm. we tried not to stress about those too much until like we knew with the amniocentesis right. so um which is super accurate was that the conclusion or, or the conclusive test that yeah. you're, you'll know for sure now mm-hmm. after that test yeah they would they would be able to tell us if, if it's a chromosome abnormality because the, the things that they found on her ultrasound were like linked with right chromosome abnormalities so that's what they were testing for but so that test then did come back mm-hmm. and and it was, they call it isodicentric chrom- uh, chromosome 18. And so it's basically near complete trisomy 18, which is her chromosome 18 <laughs> is, um, hers was mostly tripled, but part of it was missing information. 
So it was kind of an mm. interesting, like they were like, we don't exactly know how it's going to present because, you know, it's not exactly Trisomy 18, which Trisomy 18 um, is like the chromosome 18 is completely tripled. And so um, like babies with it typically don't even make it to birth. They mm. or don't make it to like their first birthdays. They have a lot of health complications. And what, when you guys got these test results back, were you together? Was it a phone call? Did you go into the office together? What, what walked yeah. us through that day? So the initial phone call that they had findings, I was just by myself at home, um, which I think was actually kind of good for me to just process it before I had to talk to anybody about it. Um, but then that call, Cameron was home and we just got another phone call and sat together and listened. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thankfully my mom lives at home, like we live at home with her. And so she was able to take Dakota for these important mm -hmm. phone calls and stuff. So it was nice to be able to like focus on right. it, but yeah, it was another phone call. So yeah, so oh, you could sound like well, no. So after that test came back, mm -hmm. they, I'm sure you had all kinds of questions. You know, what will the baby be like? How is this going to play out? What, what were what will be potential abnormalities? Or mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you had questions like that. What did they say? Yeah. What, so was, they, what was their conclusion? Um, they basically just told us they expected it to play out as trisomy 18. So they said she probably would have major health complications, um, possible heart defects. You know, she ha already had the club foot that they confirmed. Um, they didn't know how far her, like, mental disability would have been because it's just, like, MRIs and ultrasounds and right. stuff. They can't really tell. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, their best guess off of, like, previous cases and stuff. But, again, hers was a little bit special because it wasn't exactly, like, trisomy 18. Mm. So, Did you have, like, since it wasn't that the full trisomy 18 was there like that piece of hope of like okay yeah. maybe there's maybe they're missing something like walk us through like the feeling like the emotions the conversations you and Cameron were having yeah after this. for sure I definitely thought that I was like I know what they're talking like I know that they know what they're talking about right. so I was like I know if they're telling me like be prepared for you know your f future ultrasounds to not hear a heartbeat or like you know your child might not make it to birth or very shortly after pass after birth like so it was like I know that they're telling me these things for a reason but there definitely was a little bit of hope like well, maybe it's since it's a little bit different, like, you know, mm -hmm. and I even tried to look up isodicentric trisomy 18, but it was like very little information online. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Man, and then, oh, yes. So, so this was that week, by the time you guys finally got the test results, what, how far along were you? Oh gosh, I was probably, um, probably 23-ish weeks, 24-ish weeks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then you ended up having... Ivy at, at what? 33 weeks. So you went almost in between 10 to 12 weeks with this just unknowing. Yeah. Like, what was that time like for you guys? Oh my gosh, what, it was torture. Like? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, it was definitely difficult because it was like, do we set up the bassinet? Do we put the car mm -hmm. seat in? Do we buy her clothes? Like, we don't know what we should prepare for or not prepare for. So we definitely try to hang on to the hope a little bit. So, you know, I got her coming home outfit and like, we did put up the bassinet, but that was it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely just like, we want to hang on to hope, but we know in the back of our heads that this probably won't happen. And I knew with my gut feeling early on, I like knew that I probably wouldn't know this baby. Mm. And so I just kind of like prayed about it a lot. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the faith journey with this, because yeah. I'm sure as the pregnancy progressed, you were taking more and more tests. Mm -hmm. and, and so they were tracking the development, correct? Yeah. And oh, so yeah. it probably wasn't good news yeah. as, as it got closer. So how did you 
How did you trust God with all that? What was going on with the two of you? What was going on with you emotionally and your faith? I mean, come on, that that is, um, uh, I'm sure you had all kinds of questions. So walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like I just kind of trusted him completely. I told him, I trust you. I trust your plan. I hope my baby, you know, is okay. I hope that you can heal her. But a lot of people I knew were, were praying for miracles and saying like, you know, oh, he can heal, like we're praying for that miracle. I I feel like I didn't really pray for that miracle. I just kind of prayed for, mm-hmm. I hope that you do what's best for her. Um, and just like, you know, I trust you <laughs> over and over again. Wow. Um, there weren't any more tests really. It was just ultrasounds every two weeks um, to track her um, growth and stuff because they were worried about a growth restriction. And if that happened, I'd have to like, you know, go into Uber early labor and all that jazz. So, um, I just prayed for little, little miracles. Like, mm. um, I just pray that there's no other bad news or that, you know, she's growing or little things like that and just mm. kind of left it up to him and, you know, fully trusted him with that. Right. Um, and you guys still ended up having a baby shower too. I mean, you yeah. did, like what, what were the feelings like uh, at that baby shower, you know? And, and also, and this is a two part question, were there things that people said to where like you would advise people maybe to not say to somebody during <laughs> yeah. that? And then what were the helpful, encouraging things? So like yeah. speaking to somebody that maybe has somebody that is going through something awful and what are the, yeah, what are the things that stuck with you and what are the things like don't say and the things please yeah. do say? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So we had a baby shower. I was hesitant because a lot of people don't even do a baby shower for their second babies in general, but I was like, this is just a chance to celebrate her and her life and we might not get that when she's born. And so I was like, I just want to do, you know, no gifts. Like people still gave us gifts, but I was like, just, just come and like be with us. And, um, we prayed over her and, um, it was just, it was really beautiful. I'm really glad we did it, Mm -hmm. especially having all the pictures and memories and all that. Um, as far as like what to say, what not to say, um, everybody comes out of it with love. Like I know, I never even called anyone out because I know that they were just like, oh, we love you. We're trying to, (laughs) they mean well. They mean very well. Sometimes it just doesn't come across well, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know I got really like, not angry, just kind of like, mm, when people would be like, oh, God can work miracles. Cause it's like, I know that, but like, if he doesn't, you know, if she doesn't survive, that's not, not a miracle. Like she was still, you know, conceived, she was still born. And so I kind of got weird about that, but I mean, other people might not, like mm-hmm. they would probably appreciate people saying, you know, mm-hmm. reminding them that, that God can work miracles. Um, but, but the reality of that is, and this is sometimes the, the, it's difficult. This is sometimes difficult for the Christian community to talk about. We believe that God can do miracles, but often God chooses not to. Mm-hmm. And and then what? See, that's the, um, we all want the miracle. Come on. We, I mean, we love to rejoice over that those type of things, but there are times when God doesn't. And that's often, I think, most people's story is that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're talking about this, because how do you trust God when he doesn't do the miracle? Or maybe... What God is doing, because God's always working, mm-hmm. but He just doesn't work in the way we, we we wanted Him to. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, God always shows up. It's just maybe He didn't show up the way I, my emotions, my heart wanted. So anyway, so yeah, back to I, your story. Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of why I got like a little weird feeling about it, just because I'm like, well, you know, He's still here. I still trust Him, even if he, if the miracle that we are all praying for doesn't, you know, occur. Um, 
as far as what to say, I don't really know. I was always, you know, I had a lot of people that just came in, like, rubbed my back or, like, gave me a hug and didn't really say anything. And I that always was touching, too, because it was just, you know, yeah, there's not really words right now. Right. So Yeah, and that's okay. That's a good thing to bring up. It's okay to not have the words yeah. to say sometimes. Yeah. I think sure. as, a, as a pastor who has been in a lot of painful situations with people, um, I, I think people want to say something to alleviate pain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sometimes why they end up saying things that either aren't appropriate or come across as Christian cliches. And I think the difficulty that people need to under embrace is, is that, you, you, one, you can't alleviate the pain. Nothing you say is going to alleviate the pain. Yep. So I appreciate what you said. Sometimes people didn't say anything. They just showed up. Yep. They just gave you a hug. They just rubbed your back. They were just present. And... For those of you that are maybe close to somebody going through uh, incredible pain and tragedy, uh, sometimes that's the best thing you can do. You can't alleviate the pain, mm-hmm. but you can be present. So yeah. it sounds like that's what some people did. And yeah, yeah precious people. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I want to ask too, while we're talking on uh, what not to do, what to do, what are some things that like for couples going through you know, grief. What were some things that worked really well for you and Cameron? What were some things that like you don't rec- you know, or if there yeah. is anything yeah. that you're no, like, we is, wish yeah. we wouldn't have done. <laughs> there yeah. is. Yeah, okay. There is. <laughs> yeah. Lots of learning. Yeah. Um, of we, we read a couple of books, pamphlets and stuff on like the ways that women and men um, grieve because mm. it is really different. And it definitely, as I was reading, it, I was like, okay, this is kind of creepy because like, this is exactly what's happening right now. Like Cameron's at work, you know, mm. like just wants to work on things, keep his mind occupied. Whereas I'm like, you know, mm. crying. Oh my gosh. I just like want to, like, I, don't know how to stop thinking about it and Mm. I'm at home with the kid like I have constant reminders and all this stuff so definitely just having grace for each other and Mm. being there for each other how they need it and and you know telling them how you need them to be there and um, lots of communication that's so good um the other question I have too is you've mentioned like I just prayed for small miracles what were some like of those small miracles and like where did you feel God throughout this and because um, I'm just so impressed because I, I think it's easy for people on the outside to to be like, oh, yeah, like I would have, you know, strong faith or whatever. But then to see somebody actually um, go through it and keep their faith and grow closer with God, like how you are describing is just is really incredible. So, yeah, to walk us through what were those small miracles? Oh, my gosh, so many. <laughs> um, a lot of them were the day that she was born. Um, but before that, like one of the appointments, I remember like just praying that she grew and she did. And, um, or praying, you know, uh, there was one where she, they found another finding, but it wasn't a major one. She just had rocker bottom foot, which didn't affect anything majorly. Um, one of them was they thought she had a heart defect. And so then we had to go and do a, um, it's like an echo, but Mm -hmm. through an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just prayed that, you know, she didn't have that heart defect and they didn't find it. So one doctor saw it, one doctor didn't. And then we had another follow up and they didn't see it again. So it was just little things like that that were like, okay, like, that's good. Like, she's okay. Um, the day she was born, though, was amazing. OHSU threw out their visitor policy. So mm-hmm. we had tons of family. Dakota got to come and meet her um, parents, Aww. grandparents, most of our siblings. Um, anybody that was around could. How old was Dakota during that? Remind me. She's, because I remember last yeah. time we talked, it was potty training stage. Yes, so. <laughs> we're still in that. <laughs> 
takes a while. It's aesthetic, <laughs> yeah. It does. Um, yeah, so she was um, almost two. She turned two in May, and mm. Ivy was born in December. So. Wow. Yeah, so thankfully she's at, you know, it wasn't a, a stage that we had to, like, explain to her what happened or mm-hmm. anything, anything like that. So, because um, they definitely sent us home with pamphlets on how to talk to children about, like, mm-hmm. gloss and all this, and which was still helpful for my niece and nephew because they knew that I was pregnant. Right. And then we had to explain to them, like, you know what happened they were old enough to like kind of understand but i was just thankful dakota wasn't yeah. old enough so we could just grieve and she didn't really get it yeah. so so the hospital experience so you had ivy yeah and she was with you guys for how long Walk us exactly five hours mm-hmm. which i'm still trying to figure out the um like meaning for that because yeah. i know that god talks through numbers and stuff but she was born at 304 and passed at 804 mm-hmm. and um yeah the whole so what happened was december 17th she was born on the 18th december 17th we had our family christmas at our house and um they had she so i actually had like one minor complication was just that i had a lot of um, amniotic fluid mm. so at 31 weeks or whatever i was carrying like i was full term like okay is lots that, of fluid is that what were you induced did you have to have her early so or did we you were go into labor we went in and we like scheduled at our last ultrasound we scheduled to be induced in four weeks mm. and then um four days later my water broke after wow. our family party um and so cameron and i were like what is happening like we haven't figured out our full plan because you know we had to decide whether to intervene whether we resuscitate put her in the NICU Mm -hmm. anything like that and so that's why they were going to induce at 37 weeks because they figured you know she'll be full full term and your guys's interventions would be you know because we wanted to choose more of the keep her comfortable but not like like do things for her not to her kind of thing and um so then it was really hard because that kind of got thrown out the window because we're like well now she's super premature like do we intervene more than we planned on or not? Like, we don't know. So we we're kind of like really stressed when my water broke and I was just standing there like, oh. um, <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, how did this happen? We were not ready. Like, we still have four weeks. Right. So um, woke up my parents, left Dakota with them, and I didn't even have my po- hospital bag packed or anything like that. So we literally just threw everything in and went to the hospital and um, got there and, you know, I was still, we were still really excited. We weren't crying or anything like that. Like we were excited to meet her and everything, mm-hmm. but we were definitely nervous for what decisions we'd have to make and all that. So um, just labored for a while. I knew I wanted to do the epidural because I wanted to be present. Like I didn't want to be really exhausted mm-hmm. and out of it. Um, so I labored for a while until I knew that I would get to the point where I was really tired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and our in-laws came and were sitting with us and just kind of keeping our minds off things and the doctors kept coming in and we had a whole health team with us um and they were like you know what do you guys want to do do you want to do you want to send her to the NICU do you want to put her on a CPAP machine if she can't breathe like all this Mm -hmm. stuff we ultimately took a very long time to decide Mm -hmm. but um we chose to just bring the CPAP machine into the room and um we just wanted her to meet Dakota that was our main priority so we didn't want to force her life to be longer than God intended and uh, which was also a hard decision because we were like with all the technology these days like right. is his plan to send her to the NICU and right. like have her live or is his plan Oof. you know so it was hard that's so hard how, yeah. how did you guys yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah. were you guys both on the same page too the whole time on yeah on that thankfully okay. we were and um I don't really know like I'm just really thankful that we yeah. were yeah um because there wasn't much like 
arguing or figuring out like well you want to do this but i want to do that like we definitely were on the same page which was was there any influence from like the medical team on what they thought would be no our medical team was amazing um that's that's what so we were with kaiser but our doctor was like you know ohsu has a specialized team that deals with like trisomy 18 and trisomy 13 I want to send you guys to them, even if you, you know, you want to stay at Kaiser, that's fine. But they just have a specialized team that could help you guys figure all this out. Mm. And so that's when we got transferred and it was a blessing that she transferred us. Um, And so they were like, you know, whatever you guys choose, it's out of love. We know that you guys love this baby very, very much. So whichever way you guys choose is completely up to you guys. We know that it's out of love. Don't let anybody, you know, try to make you feel different about that which was really interesting from a medical team, you sure. know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was wow. it was awesome. So, I, uh, Caitlin, I want to ask you a question here as I'm sitting here thinking because I'm, I'm thinking about our audience and who's listening to this. And, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes we have people listening um, that just are coming from a different perspective uh, than the faith community. And so the question I want to ask you uh, that somebody might be asking out there is, why would you go through the pain of trying to go full term knowing all of that mm-hmm. and wouldn't abortion be a better option? Yeah. So I, I just, I know it's a time. Yep. No, we definitely got asked <laughs> I'm, that. I'm sure so. that question might have come up, whether it was given to you or other people might have been talking about it. or And I'm sure that was an option at the hospital at one yep. point. Yeah, so that okay, was another thanks. thing we loved about Dr. Brass was that she she had to ask and was like, do you want to terminate the pregnancy? Like, it's up to you guys um, kind of thing. And we were like, no. Immediately, both of us were like, no, we that's not even, that never even went over sure. our minds. Um, and she asked one more time, after, so that was before the amnio, and then she asked one more time afterwards. She's like, I just have to ask after this. I won't ask again. And if you guys change your minds, you just let me know. And again, that's crazy from a medical team. Like, usually, you know, it's that would be, I feel like would be, um offered a lot more um yeah and we were lucky nobody around us was like why didn't you guys terminate you know like all that so that was we didn't really have that pressure sure yeah and um again we just didn't we never never crossed our minds to do that right because that's not an option for you anyway yeah so um let's just again lean into a little bit more of of how just your your faith journey with this. I mean, I before we we started the podcast, we were talking a little bit about about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you told me that you were never angry with God. And I know as a pastor, I've talked to plenty of people who've been angry at God for certain things. And I've had my own journey with you know being maybe angry with God too. So um, yeah, I think it's a pretty normal experience. That wasn't yours, but yet you you did say some things about your relationship with God, about questioning God or why God. Talk, talk, a, little, talk yeah. a little bit about that because I want to make sure that people listening to this, you know, don't hear like this journey was easy for you or yeah. anything because yeah. it's not. Yeah. So you you had questions, yes? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely was very angry about our situation. Um, was like, you know, why us? Why our baby? Why does she have to die? Yeah. Or, you know, why are we going through this kind of thing? And um, felt angry about it. But I never felt that anger towards God. I never was like, why are you letting this terrible thing happen to us kind of thing? It was more of just, you know, this really sucks and, yeah. like, is really hard. And yeah. um, I don't 
I, I really feel like that was just because I, I had an established faith before we went through this, mm-hmm. which I'm really grateful that I had. Um, and I just, I, I've never really questioned, you know, why do bad things, why does God let bad things happen? I've never really had that standpoint and I don't really have an explain, explanation for that either. <laughs> um, but I just prayed a lot, like a lot, a lot. And, um, you know, my question, even if I said, why, why us? I always followed up with, I know I won't know until, you know, I'm in heaven right. or maybe even then I wouldn't know, but I trust that you have a plan and I trust you. And, um, that was so, kind of my prayer through it. When, so if somebody, somebody would ask you this question and you use the word trust, you know, just several times there, how do you, how do you trust God after something like this? How do you, you know, Caitlin, how do you keep trusting God after him allowing you to go through something so terrible, how would you answer them? Um, I would answer, I don't really know. Other than <laughs> I know I that like he, that answer. <laughs> I just know that he, he showed up throughout the whole time and he was never like, I knew he was there. I never thought he wasn't there with us. You know, the little miracles that he blessed us with, I just, I saw it. And so it, it, and I feel like I just had that gut feeling that, you know, it's going to be okay, even if she's not here. You know, she's blessed. She gets to go straight to heaven. She doesn't have to feel embarrassment, anger, sadness. She doesn't have to feel any of that. She gets to go straight and, you know, live in heaven. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know an answer to that question, <laughs> realistically. That's no, okay. It's okay. It's a tough question. And I and I think that um, I, I appreciate the real answer. I, I yeah. think answers to uh, painful emotionally complex questions are a lot uh, many times like that mm-hmm. and I think that's why we want to be real here I think sometimes God carries us through things and and we don't know how mm-hmm. I think God uh, shows up in the midst of tragedy in the midst of our pain and sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense um, he promises to be there he promises to, to never leave us or forsake us and and there's times we 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 may feel like he did, but um, sometimes it's hard to explain how it works. Sometimes it's hard to explain an experience with God walking with him through dark times. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I don't even know if we have to. The promises in God's word are there that he does. And so I don't know for some people that are listening to this that are in the midst of some really painful things. Mm-hmm. I know that you would probably say, even if you don't feel God, He's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't abandoned you. He sees your pain. He still wants to show up. It might not play out the way you want, but that doesn't mean God doesn't love you, right? Yep. He still loves yeah. us. Mm-hmm. So, Wow. That, I know. I know. I could I could ask you a lot more questions, but I know we're coming up on time here. So the the last thing I would say is so now that you guys are it's been almost it's been almost a year. Yeah, December will be a year. December will be a year. Okay. What has the journey been like? Like if you had to tell yourself what you know now during your hardest moments, like somebody that is in the thick, in the dark, um, and, uh, the way you were maybe on your hardest day, what would you tell yourself? Um, pray mm. a lot. Um, I know I said that many times throughout this, but um, whenever I was just, you know, bawling and couldn't stop, I just was like, Lord, I pray for strength and pace right now. Like, 
put your hand on me right now with peace and um he delivered every time and i think that really just praying is the key for that Mm -hmm. and surrounding yourself with a good community and not letting yourself go into a you know secluded you know um Mm -hmm. not stop living your life and all of that so that's good oh okay is there anything that you have left on this um, right, she says things that I want to talk about, but we we are we are. Uh, she's just triggering the uh, the, the pastor pieces in me. Right, I, I love what you said. Uh, we don't ever want we don't, don't ever want the answer when we say prayer to sound cliche, folks. Yeah. Um, it, because it can, um, but prayer really does work because it's not just the prayer; it's the connection with the heart of God. And I think that's when when you can connect with God in prayer. Prayer can be mechanical or it can be real, and when we can connect. There are resources that God pours into us, and, and, and you've lived that, and you've experienced that. I also love the fact that you, you talked about others. Don't isolate. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times what we, what we want to do in pain is isolate. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's the worst thing we can do. We have to have the right people around us. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you had some great people around you to walk with you through the, the pain. They didn't try to remove it. They just walked with you. Yep. And so and that's... That's the beauty of a faith community and and being part of a of a community that will that will, you know that that can have a belief in God and yet still deal with tragedy, because we we have to harmonize those two. So, um, anyway, thank you for having some great insight, um, with you know after going through something crazy painful. And I hope yeah. that your story really encourages some other people out there. I hope so too. Who are who are feeling like you you're losing hope, but there is hope. So anyway, so Caitlin, thank you yeah, for thank being you with us. <laughs> and uh, Katie, you, gotta, you, you always have your, your end of, oh, the, yes. uh, your end of yes. the session commercial. <laughs> yes. Here it comes. Uh, no, I have some very exciting news. So keep listening. Um, if you want this podcast to be known, you have to help us share it. That's the exciting news. So, <laughs> so, so no, but seriously, if this added value, if you got encouragement and hope, please give us a five-star rating um, and subscribe. That helps us get found. Um, Share it with a friend you think could really hear, um, you know, Caitlin's story. And we will be back next week. So thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, Caitlin. See you all next week.